the burden of childhood cancer in low and middle income countries is increasing. In our recent podcast, we learned about setting up a radiotherapy unit in Tanzania. In this episode, we discuss how radiotherapy services can be expanded to serve children with cancer. In addition, we will learn about the multidisciplinary team setup and how you or your organization may be able to get involved. Keep listening to find out more. The Global Oncology Podcast is a series of interviews conducted by myself, Dr. Katie Piddock, with experts in the field of global oncology. This episode is the second part of our interview with Tanzanian clinical oncologist, Dr. Beda Likonda. Dr. Beda Likonda is the sole clinical or radiation oncologist serving a population of 16 million people in the lake zone of Tanzania. To put that in context, we estimate that in the UK there's approximately one clinical oncologist for 72,000 people. We are extremely privileged that Dr. Bader has taken time to share his experience with all of us. Please do get involved and let us know what you think. You can tweet us at Global Pod, and we can now be found on both SoundCloud and Spotify. Right, time to be transported back to Tanzania and get back to our interview with Dr. Bader Likonda. Welcome to the Global Oncology Podcast. Currently in Mwanza, we're treating adults with radiotherapy. Is there anything additional that would be needed in order to start treating children, do you think? There isn't much needed to start treating uh, children, but in general, we usually try to avoid radiation therapy for growing children because it has an impact on their growth pattern. But um, if you want to do radiation therapy, the best way will be to use the current modalities, which is from three-dimension conformal radiation therapy, having a treatment planning system, because I want to be sure what was the dose which has been received by some important organs, which are very uh, important for the patient's growth and their intellect in the future. That is one, improvement on the modalities. But it is not for all. For example, patients with a disease like a neuroblastoma, it is simple because you know the anatomic area where the kidney and the adrenal, which has been removed, let's say, neuro or nephroblastoma, if there are indications, you can easily treat. You only need some, time, some sort of sedation. That is one. And two, immobilization devices. I'm quite sure, yes, you need to have, let's say it's here for brain tumor, you need to have masks. These you call them immobilization devices. If we can see and have special devices for kids, that will be good. So to summarize, it's is be- better if you have a 3D planning. Number two, sedation. Three, special mobilization devices for the kids and a team of people who can talk nicely with the kids because you sometimes need to show the kid what is happening you need time that's it that is what i have seen working 
And I remember, yeah, the kids uh, later on the, during follow-up, they need the same team to uh, make sure that their intellectual capacity becomes normal. There, that is a very big field where there are so many things to do. Thank you. Yeah. Are there a group of paediatric patients who you would be happy to start treating with radiotherapy? Oh yes. Patients who will uh, benefit from radiation therapy, for example, neuroblastoma or nephroblastoma, Williams tumor, there are indications for radiation therapy, which uh, the only thing you need to take care is uh, the disease might be on one side, so you need to make sure that uh, the whole vertebra is covered so that the patient does not uh, develop scoliosis. So these are the precautions which does not need you to have a 3D planning system. The other group is a, a hematolymphoid, especially patients with a Hodgkin's lymphoma, where we can reduce the number of cycles and add radiotherapy on top. Leukemia, there is a less role, especially when a patient is having acute lymphoblastic. Radiation is used for prophylactic intracranial. Yeah. yeah, that is another group. Yeah, and the other last group is for palliation. We have done a few cases with the bone meds and all these. You see patients with sarcomas or retinoblastoma, you want to do palliative form of treatment for the distant metastasis or even for the primary disease. That's good. So our current system would probably be, you know, able to treat children, particularly with Wilms, lymphoma, some yeah. role in leukemia, and uh, palliation as well. That's yeah. good. Yes. That's good. And that makes me think a little bit about the adult service and the importance of our radiotherapy nurses. So here we've got Sophia and Joshua. Joshua yeah. What role do they play? in delivering the radiotherapy? Yeah, their place in the team, you know, uh, it was not until I was about to start brachytherapy, where I asked the director of nursing services that I need at least two nurses to start this, because uh, this is like a surgical procedure. That is where we started. But I told them that you have more role to do apart from brachytherapy. Now, all patients who has been diagnosed, staged, and we confirm that they are supposed to start radiation therapy, I will send to my radiation nurses for counseling and consenting. That is another major area where they are involved. And they will help now the radiotherapy technologist, let's say, is a patient who have an, let's say, an open ulcer. They need to be taken for simulation. So you need to remove the dressing, you need to do... They, they have got so many things from counseling, participating in the simulation process, that is for external beam. And when you talk about the brachytherapy, they are the one who prepare everything because uh, 
patients, we need the equipment, sterilized, well planned for a surgical procedure like a brachytherapy. Yeah. That is how I see their role within the hospital. Yeah. Yeah, very important. So cancer is a disease that includes so many different areas of yes. the multidisciplinary team. Yeah. It's been great to see our good friend the professor of medical physics and the nurses and doctors and then also, you know, the pathologists, the radiologists, the surgeons. So maybe we could talk just a little about the tumour board. About the tumour board, it's uh, an important meeting for uh, physicians and everyone who uh, participate in the patient's care. Why? Because um, in most of our developing countries, the patient's treatment is fragmented. So everyone does what he or she thinks is right for the patient. There are so many things which now are evolving, like uh, there are new classification systems, there are new treatment modalities. And because everything depends on the other, for example, the figure staging for cervical cancer has changed since last year. So we have the new figure system uh, by 2018, where it has removed some of the parameters and it has added some of the new issues. The issues which, has, which seem to be important in the last 10 years, because the other system was released in 2008, and this one is 2018. In a span of 10 years, there are things which have been seen that this is not important now. So with this, if you have the radiologist on board, the pathologist discussing together about the cases, so everyone improves because probably the, the information of the changing of the stages now has not reached the pathologist or the radiologist. They are still using the previous staging system. And now as an oncologist, I want them to give me this information. So where do you all meet and discuss about all everything you tie up together? This is the tumor board meeting, which is very important for our fragmented system. Although the major limitation is uh, with the tumor board meetings, you will only discuss difficult cases. But it's really good. But if you ask me what is the way forward, the way forward is not a, a tumor board. The way forward is uh, to have, uh, to split the anatomical cancer sites into different disease management groups. And we meet once or twice a week to discuss all new cases. Not only complex cases, because I know there are some complexities inside which you might not be aware of yeah. that will be the way forward now we can start with the difficult cases but later on if you have adequate staffing you need to have teams neuro-oncology team which comprises of all those people you need to have a head and neck team which has the same thorax the same gastrointestine genital urinary bone and soft tissue sarcomas, everything. 
So you need to have disease management groups which can discuss all cases separately at the own time. Yeah, and this is the dream. Yes. <laughs> I really hope maybe in 20 years yeah. we can sit down together and just look at the system that is there yes. and you'll have all your different <laughs> disease groups yes. and yeah, that, that's my dream. Yeah. I hope so. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I mean, this is great. I'm learning so much and I know there's just loads of helpful information. Yeah. And I think there will be a lot of people listening who care about this topic and who, you know, they hear it and they think, yeah, that's great. There's so much opportunity to treat people, cure yes. people, improve right. people's lives. You're right. And so they will want to do something in this exciting field. And can you think of any ways that people can get involved, whether it's people within Tanzania, people further afield, any, you know, international agencies, what is actually helpful? <laughs> and if you like, what is not helpful? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, the way I see is uh, we want to have the disease management groups talking about the level of um, our education here system does not uh, have people like surgical oncologists for each site. So we have uh, general surgeons. Some specific areas like head and neck, you have the ENT surgeons and the gyne, but the rest is taken as a general surgeon. So people operate on the intestines, operate on the breast, operate on everything. But if you are not specific, then the major challenge with the oncology intervention is to deal with the margins, lymph nodes. People are talking a lot about these lymph nodes, like you see in a, a gastric cancer, D1 vis-a-vis D2 dissection. So I see if we can improve the level of our training of the surgeons, because they are also very important for the cure. Not only radiation and chemo, but surgery is one of the major specific area where we have weakness up to now. So we needed to improve that. So are you suggesting developing the training system here? Yes, okay. Developing the training system. Or also uh, training visitors coming vis in. Either visitors, yes or to see how we can train people in each area. So how can we collaborate with people from outside to improve their skills on different anatomical sites? That is one area which I think is important. And if we improve, it can lead us to where we want to be in the future. That is one. And two, if we do that, it will give us chances to do re research and development. Because if you have people in different disease management groups, then these can share their knowledge. And because they are dealing with the same kind of malignancies, it can be easy for them to join hands and do researches which are going to solve our problems. I'm sure we have so many things on our own because the tumors also differ in terms of uh, 
uh, ethnicity, so many other things. Mm. Drugs, like chemo, uh, the, uh, the toxicity profile uh, differ from one ethnic group to other ethnic groups. So there are so many of kinetics which, if you are doing a general oncology, you might not be able to touch the base. That brings us nicely onto research yeah. and using research as a way of strengthening capacity. I mean, it seems having worked with you, significant limitation is just you are so busy. <laughs> so, you are right. You know, you're the one clinical oncologist developing, delivering, sorry, radiotherapy yes. to a huge population. Yeah. And so building up capacity within the department will naturally lead on to more opportunities to in turn conduct research and improve yeah. the service again. Yes. So I will bring something up, yeah, yeah. but if you don't like it, then you just say. So in my experience here, yeah. I've seen people from foreign institutions come in and introduce concepts or new ideas and during that interaction how do I word this it felt a little uncomfortable because although it was extremely well-meaning it felt a little bit like it was a foreign institution suggesting that something about the way that you manage your patients should be different and to me it seemed that perhaps there was a better approach to use. Do you have any advice for people who might have great ideas <laughs> and they want to be involved, but how can they communicate those in a respectful and uh, collaborative way? Yeah. I will start by saying that in most of the developing countries, we have um, challenges like four challenges. One is poverty, number two is healthy, number three is about the, what they call employability. Uh, the fourth challenge, big challenge, is about administration. So we are employed down there, but uh, the major, there is uh, an organogram for the administration. Like it will start with the director general, then below will be a director of surgical services, director of medical services, director of human resource, director of so and so. Then below, heads of different departments underneath. And in the, each department, then you have a, a, a physicians or surgeons or whoever. That's where the problem is sharing information, transparency is our major issue. Yes, because uh, where I was trained, it was a transparent system at Tata Memorial Center. So there is no research which is conducted in the next room and it has never been presented uh, in our departmental meetings. So we are aware, we used to be aware as, okay, so now I'm, I'm seeing a patient with a high-grade glioma. 
Okay, so there is a study which is done by Dr. Beda, high-grade glioma, poor prognosis, where they are giving hypofractionated radiation for two weeks. Please send this, after you have seen this patient, please send to Dr. Beda for accrual. This is not the situation <laughs> in our setup, that there are so many things going on, but the others doesn't know. And you don't have the contribution of others, because if you bring it to everyone, then everyone can contribute. You have something better. So that is about, let's say, research. Okay, there are some projects, there are some where you, people are doing without you knowing. And it, it sometimes touches patients whom we are treating them every day. And there is no any opinion from your side. I think that is where you were talking about. Perhaps we could say that better communication within teams and departments and whole yes. units and hospitals yes. yeah. would facilitate service improvement. Definitely. Because, you know, everyone can work together rather than on their individual vertical projects. You're absolutely right. Okay. Yes. Thank you. That is a major problem. at the end and yes. just to finish off yeah i'd like to do a little bit of advertising so this is where i'm going to jump in with an update dr bader has now treated over 800 patients and in order to monitor and continue to improve the service he wants to create a database so we are after people to help with database creation and data collection and if you or your organization want to get involved then please contact either myself or dr bader liconda you can do this via Twitter at Global Oncopod or via our website, globaloncologypodcast.com. Now, back to Tanzania. Also, we've discussed a little bit about if there are other people who want to visit yourself, Dr. Bena, and learn about the service. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I welcome people to come and see what we are doing and so that we can discuss uh, from uh, what angle we can help to improve the services. Yeah, so everyone is welcomed. Okay. Yes. Okay, and so the only thing that is left to say yeah. is to say Asante Sana and thank you so much uh, for letting me just come out and spend a bit of time with you here yes. in Wanza, Tanzania. Mm and learn so much. You've taught me a humongous amount mm. about, you know, the basics, the science of radiotherapy, but also about global oncology as a whole, about yeah. how you're delivering safe and effective radiotherapy here. Yeah. And it's just been totally brilliant and inspiring to work with you. And so I just want to say Asante Sana. Asante Sana, Karibu Tena Tanzania. Thank you so much for listening once again. Do get in touch via Twitter or the website if you or your organization want to get involved. We've got more episodes to come, so keep following, keep sharing, and keep the global oncology conversation going. I've been your host, Dr. Katie Piddock, and you've been listening to the Global Oncology Podcast.